Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Today is January 4th, 2022, and our first story, new polling is bad news for Joe Biden as Donald Trump is currently leading five points over Biden, which suggests as the mainstream media keeps saying that Trump is currently involved in an ongoing conspiracy and military coup and insurrection, it would seem Americans support insurrection over Joe Biden. In our next story, a man in Australia immolates himself in protest over COVID lockdowns. Things are getting intense. And in our last story, Joe Rogan is demolishing the mainstream media, and boy, are they panicking. A journalist for the CBC has resigned, saying the company has become insanely woke, and it doesn't make sense anymore, so she quits. Now, if you like the show, leave us a good review and give us five stars. Tell your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. With the anniversary of January 6th just around the corner, the media is cranking it into full gear, claiming that not only did Donald Trump stage an insurrection, he staged a military coup. He failed, but the conspiracy is ongoing. And Donald Trump, in fact, is planning the next coup. The Atlantic says Trump's next coup has already begun. Shocking, I know. What's more shocking is that that according to polls, the American people prefer Donald Trump's insurrection, military coup, an attempt to subvert democracy over the Democratic Party, over Joe Biden, and in the House, over the Democrats. Republicans are expected to win in the midterms. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. I know historically, this is what's expected to happen. It's the president's first term, and there's a shift in the House. But again, We'll see. Hard to make predictions this far out. But the polls right now show people favor Republicans, uh, independents especially favor Republicans and regular people in the polls favor Donald Trump, I think, by like five points. Now, if we go if we track alongside the narrative from the mainstream media, this means regular Americans would prefer to vote for a guy who tried to steal an election via military coup and insurrection as opposed to Joe Biden, the man who valiantly stood up and staved off the end of American democracy. The reality is, it's, it's an absurd narrative. Donald Trump did not stage an insurrection. And a new story has come out basically proving the insurrection narrative, uh, insurrection narrative is false. Apparently, Donald Trump had ordered secret shoot-to-kill commandos to protect Mike Pence. Does not sound like Trump was trying to stage an insurrection or anything like that. In fact, it sounds like quite the opposite. 
And actually, it was only a week or so ago we heard other news in leaked communications. I shouldn't say leaked, but published private communications from Trump administration officials and people sending messages to then chief of staff Mark Meadows. They were saying, tell Donald Trump to call this out and stop this. And Donald Trump did. Trump came out and said, go home peacefully. We can't have this. The Democrats are in shambles, the Democratic Party. Democrats are retiring in massive numbers. We're up to 24 Democrats announcing their retirement. And to be fair, some of these people are really old. And if I were to be honest, I think many more should be retiring. But the age of these individuals and just the mass retirements says to me the Democratic Party is in shambles. The polls show people favor Republicans. The narrative from the establishment media is insane and people aren't buying it anymore. Joe Rogan is getting three or four times the views that any one of these mainstream political pundits. Regular people are saying no. And boy, you could say this is call for optimism. A lot of people want to say I'm too pessimistic, but maybe what we're seeing now is regular people are waking up. They are realizing the lies from the mainstream media are just that lies. And they are saying, I just want my life back. Protests across the country, protests in Europe, very serious protests in Australia. People are sick of the COVID lockdowns. Meanwhile, Ocasio-Cortez parties it up in Florida with no mask, exposing the hypocrisy of the Democrats for all to see. And you know what? It seems to be working. This is an individual who's championed mask mandates, who's defended a governor, who's pushed forth uh, vaccine mandates to a certain degree, not as harsh as the big cities, but statewide. Yeah, mask or vax, the governor calls it. And AOC defends that. Then she parties in Miami where Ron DeSantis, the Republican, gives people, well, I shouldn't even say gives people, but he doesn't encroach upon people's individual liberties. We can see through the lies. I don't think the Republicans are the answer. I think voting locally and getting involved in the primaries is a path forward. But we'll see. Republicans winning the midterms is no guarantee anything changes. But let's read the news. And I'll talk to you about what the media is saying about Trump's coup. And I will show you very definitively that Americans would prefer the coup master, an insurrectionist over Joe Biden. In the story from the Daily Mail, Biden begins 2022 five points behind Donald Trump. Amazing. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member in order to support our fierce and independent journalism. We now have, I think, like 31 or 32 employees, and it's only possible because you guys become members and that supports all of the work we do. As a member, you'll get access to exclusive members-only segments from the TimCast IRL podcast, as well as our other shows like Tales from the Inverted World and Pop Culture Crisis. But more importantly, you're supporting all the journalists who are writing the news, fact-checking, and trying to bring you true and honest information to the best of our abilities. But don't forget, like this video, subscribe to this channel, share this show right now. Take the URL, post it wherever you can. All all the work we do is organically driven. We have no marketing. Maybe we should change that. For the time being, you guys are our only opportunity to challenge the mainstream media. If you really do think we do a good job, share this video, share our other content, and become a member at TimCast.com. From the Daily Mail, they report... President Joe Biden returned to a snowy Washington on Monday to find that he starts the new year much as he ended the last one behind in the polls. Not only do his personal approval ratings remain in the doldrums, but he would lose a general election to former President Donald Trump by almost five points 
And that's the aggregate. According to the latest polls, Biden and his aides have repeatedly claimed the 79-year-old plans to run again in 2024, which would mean he would be 86 if he completed his second term. But an average of polls maintained by Real Clear Politics shows Trump leading Biden by 4.8 percentage points in a hypothetical matchup. Now, what you need to understand is that those, if, if those polls track true, in a general election, 4.8 percentage points is massive. I mean, it is massive. What people need to understand about landslides in U.S. politics is that it typically doesn't look the way you'd think it was. People think landslide means you have 100 million voters and 80 million vote for one guy. No, that's, that's not how landslides have worked in this country. The past landslides we saw, I think Nixon had one and Reagan had one. It was actually relatively close, but not really. I think it was like 10 points or around 10 points. And most of the states were fairly evenly split. But because of the way the Electoral College works, the overwhelming majority of electoral votes went to one of these two candidates, which means you can have a very seriously divided nation almost evenly. But with five percentage points, you could be looking at a very big swing. I don't think that would be in historical territory like we saw with Reagan or Nixon, but it would be massive. They're going to say the polls included in the range were conducted in the six weeks up to December 19th and show that on average, about 46 percent of voters back the former president compared to just 41.2 who say they would vote for Biden. It shows the challenge facing Biden as his his administration reels from a fresh wave of COVID-19 cases caused by the Omicron variant. Consumer worries about surging inflation and the collapse of his domestic spending plans. Well, far be it for me to keep you from the data, my friends. We got this from Real Clear Politics. General election, Trump v. Biden. Now, this may actually be relatively pointless to bring up because there's no presidential election. There's no president, uh, not for several years. And whether or not people like Trump or Biden, I don't think has any real political bearings unless there's going to be an election literally right now. But it does show you where the American psyche is at. And when you take a look at uh, November to December, December, uh, December 17th to uh, to, uh, to 19th, you take a look at these past few weeks, we can see Trump favored. Now, Rasmussen, wow, they have Trump up 13 points. Okay. Rasmussen uh, in September had Trump up 10 points, then previously had him up six. But we can take a look at like Wall Street Journal. They actually show Biden up one point. The Wall Street Journal showed him up one point as well. It's not all just good for Trump. But USA Today plus four, Harvard Harris plus three, Insider Advantage plus eight. These are not right wing publications. Emerson, Trump plus two. That's incredible. People like Trump more than they like Joe Biden. There was previous polling that showed if the American people had access to the Hunter Biden laptop story, then I think it was like five to seven percent said they would have voted for Donald Trump instead. And that would have swung the election in Trump's favor. But of course, big tech colluding with Democrats to try and make sure Trump can't win. What do you expect? Now, let me show you the media narrative because I want I want to I want to hammer home what this means. I already showed you the first article about Trump's plan for a coup. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. 
That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. The Atlantic reports, and this is just from uh, last September, Trump's plan for a coup are now public. Some of the plots to overturn the election happened in secret, but don't forget the ones that unfolded in open. Okay, there's one story. How about this one from the Huffington Post? This is from this is from today. Trump tried a coup in plain sight and has so far gotten away with it. Okay, let's read this one from uh, Newsweek. We are on the way to a right-wing coup, the CIA director privately warned. The Capitol riot road to January 6th, Newsweek says. You hear this means? If this is the narrative for the mainstream media, and this is the messaging going out to the American people, and in the polls, the American people say, yeah, that guy you accused of staging a military coup, we'd rather vote for him. Or I should put it simply, there are more people who support Donald Trump despite the narrative from the media that he is staging a coup. Just think about that for two seconds. That means in the view of the left, And those who genuinely believe an insurrection occurred, you must naturally conclude the American people prefer the insurrection over Joe Biden. Well, because the Atlantic said that Donald Trump is already staging his his next coup. It's already begun. Trump's next coup has already begun. If you live in this world, that must be your view of things, right? Or are they lying? Because let's be let's break it down. How many people do you think, would you ask a Democrat who believes Trump staged an insurrection or a coup, what do you think they're going to say if you go to them and say, well, you know that according to the real clear politics aggregate, Trump is, is favored more in the polls than Biden? You think they'll accept that? No. When it comes to the narrative around Trump's polling, all of a sudden, no one says insurrection. All of a sudden, it's like, well, you know, Trump is favored. No, 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 no. Be honest. You guys say this is an insurrection and a coup. And if that's Trump, then people favor that coup, don't they? Don't they? Yes, say it. I want to hear the left admit it, that everything they're saying about a military coup, people would want. No, they don't want to admit that. They don't want to admit that they are so unpopular, people prefer what happened on January 6th. Now, I don't like what happened on January 6th, and I think it's ridiculous that there is this attempt at saying there's no middle ground between who cares about January 6th and it was the worst in the world. Uh, we talk about that all the time. January 6th was bad. People tried storming into the tunnel. Some people were let in and it shouldn't have happened. And the people who were violent should be prosecuted. I don't like what happened on January 6th. I think it was a bad thing. But if you're going to come out and claim that Donald Trump was pushing this, now most people know it's not true. And let's be real. When I say in the, in the title and everything that people prefer the insurrection, I'm speaking from the perspective of the left to make a point. Genuinely, I don't believe the American people think a coup actually happened or there was an insurrection. I think the media is just lying. 
Here we go. The Hill. Nearly a year after January 6th, U.S. democracy remains perilously fragile. Why is it that all of these people who claim that democracy is ending, what they are, are, are just complaining about Republicans winning? To the Democrats, Republicans winning elections means democracy is dying. No, actually would mean democracy is working, right? Democratic Republic, people are moving forward. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you this. I got more. Let me see if I can get this one up from the Inquirer. Is the smoking gun in Trump's January 6th attempt at a coup hiding in plain sight from the nation? The uncanny resemblance of the beer hall putsch and the January 6th insurrection. If 1920s Germany could punish Hitler for leading a coup attempt, why can't America go after Trump from yesterday? So I'd like to just stress If you are someone who holds the worldview of the nation, you believe the world is is this, that Donald Trump staged a coup that resembled is an uncanny resemblance to the beer hall putsch, then you need to recognize the American people support that. And that must be a terrifying world to live in. You're losing. Trump is winning. And Trump's not even announced he's running yet, though most people think he will be running. Oh, my friends, there's more from Politico. It's only gotten worse, the long shadow of the night that broke the house. For most Democrats, the biggest affront wasn't even the violence by Donald Trump supporters. It was the votes more than 140 of their GOP colleagues took afterward. Why? Could it be that the GOP is actually representing their constituents? They don't think it was a military coup and the Democrats are actually the bad guys here. Has that ever occurred to these people that they are the bad guys? It's like that, that skit where the two, the two Nazis are like, are we the baddies? Yeah, maybe you are. Yeah, you. You're the baddies. All right, all right, here we go. Here's the new narrative. From The Guardian, opinion, U.S. Capitol attack. The risk of a coup in the next U.S. election is greater now than it ever was under Trump. Oh, I love it. These people are insane. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're sane or insane. What matters is, The political worldview in this country is fractured to such a degree, there's no bridging the gap. You know, I talked about over the past several years, the gap was getting bigger, it was getting bigger. Yeah, well, now it's two completely different nations. And I'm not kidding. The Democrats say democracy will end if Republicans win. The American people say we prefer Donald Trump. So if these, these views can't coexist within the same system. The Democrats have genuinely lost the plot and live in crackpot world. And that's why When you look at, quote unquote, the right, you end up with moderates, libertarians, post-liberals, center-left liberals, social liberals, conservatives, and even to a certain extent, the far right, traditional conservatives and the ultra-religious, all seemingly in agreement on these issues, even though they completely disagree on policy. It's because the Democratic Party is a cult. Wokeness, it's a cult. And they live in a crackpot world of insane narratives. Lawrence Tribe says Republicans are busy undermining the next election, but giving up on democracy isn't an option. We must fight back. And here's how only free and fair elections in which the loser abides by the result stand between each of us and life at the mercy of a despotic regime. I don't think it's Republicans who are taking away people's individual liberties. Isn't it funny that the Democrats keep saying that the Republicans are the evil ones and it's the Democrats that are taking away people's rights and locking them in their homes? Look, if that's the world you want to live in, you're free to do so. Oh, it gets better. From The Guardian. Man, 
U.S. could be under right-wing dictator by 2030, Canadian professor warns. Canadian political scientist warns an op-ed of Trumpist threat to American democracy and possible effect on northern neighbor. Man, the narrative, it just never seems to go away. From CNBC, Biden disapproval hits new high as voters give him bad grades on economy. New CNBC change poll says, why don't these polls, these mainstream media companies that often push out these narratives of insurrection, why don't they address the fact that people hate Joe Biden? Not everybody, but a lot of people. They're going to report President Joe Biden's overall disapproval ratings reached a new high in December as more voters signaled their unhappiness with his handling of the economy in the COVID pandemic. Results from a CNBC change research poll show 60% of respondents said they disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy as he nears the conclusion of his first year in office. A 55% majority of survey respondents also signaled disapproval of his leadership during the pandemic, an area in which he previously excelled. This is where we're at. So if there is, if, if the mainstream media is correct, the American people are faced with the possibility of a right wing dictator a military coup currently underway, and an insurrectionist and Donald Trump. And at the same time, they support that. Sure. The Democrats, you've lost. And maybe, maybe in, their, in their crazy crackpot world, it really is the end of democracy. But the reality is they just lost it. From Fox News, surge in House Democratic 2022 retirement announcements as 2021 comes to a close. House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy in August predicted the current wave of Democratic retirement announcements. Well, let's be fair. A lot of these Democrats are really old. We have this story from The Hill. Rep. Bobby Rush becomes latest House Democrat not seeking re-election. Rush said Monday he will not seek re-election after 15 terms in Congress. 15 terms. Rush told the Chicago Sun-Times he made the decision in the past several weeks and that it was a result of a conversation he had with his grandson. I don't want my grandchildren to know me from a television news clip or something they read in a newspaper. I want them to know me on an intimate level, know something about me, and I want to know something about them. I don't want to be a historical figure to my grandchildren. The Illinois Democrat said he plans to remain active in his ministry and use his life story and experiences to inspire young people. Rush co-founded the Illinois chapter of the Black Panthers, becoming acting chairman following the killings of Fred Hampton and Mark Clark in a police raid in December 1969. His career has been marked by a focus on civil rights and racial injustice. He is 75 years old and has served since 1993. He defeated, back then, Barack Obama in a 2000 Democratic primary for the state's first congressional district. He is the 24th House Democrat to not seek re-election in 2022. Republicans only need to flip five seats to win the majority. Rush will make an announce announcement Tuesday on his future plans his office announced. Now, Republicans could win based on this alone. We don't know for sure. We don't know exactly where people will end up voting or who they'll end up voting for, but I'll show you this. We have this from Ballotopedia. 14 seats held by Democrats and 20 held by Republicans are up for a regular election in 2022. The map shows what seats are up for for election and the incumbent ahead of the election. So we got a lot of states here. There are more Republican states, states more Republican seats that are up for re-election. And that means Republicans are at a disadvantage. However, based on current polling trends, it would seem that they might, that might not matter. Republicans need to win. They need to hold 20 states and win one Democrat state. Now, they could theoretically lose in, in, in you know, uh, Democrats could lose in, say, Colorado. I don't know for sure. 
Arizona could absolutely flip Republican. I think it's an enti- it's, it's entirely a possibility. Now, of course, California, Illinois, New York, Washington, Oregon. I don't see any of these states changing. So it's going to be tough because Republicans, this is their race to lose. We'll see. Now, as for uh, the House and historic party control, over the past uh, past several years, Republicans have been in control of, I believe this is a, the U.S. House. Uh, this is the, uh, no, I'm sorry, this is the Senate. And now it's completely even. And it was in 2018, we saw the House, the House flipped. The Senate uh, has dropped uh, evenly. So interestingly, it has shifted in favor of Democrats over the past few years. But this could just be because of Donald Trump. It could be that because of Barack Obama, we saw Republicans take the House and the Republicans held the Senate since Obama's, uh, I believe, I believe this is his, uh, his first term into a second term or yeah, into a second term. Republicans lost it likely due to Donald Trump. This could mean that we're going to see a standard historical shift. Nothing spectacular, just a historical shift. Joe Biden is president. There's a lot of problems. So people say they're going to vote the other way. 538 says why the president's party almost always has a bid midterm. They say history certainly seems adamant that they will win the national popular vote for the U.S. House and gain seats there, although their prospects in the Senate and uh, are less certain. But as with any rule, there are exceptions. And some theories for why the midterm curse exists may contain some hints that Democrats may be able to hold their losses to a minimum. At this point, though, history isn't on the Democrat side. It's really interesting. They ask, are Republicans really a lock to sweep the 2022 midterms? And they're going to say that since World War II, the president's party has consistently gotten a lower share of the National House popular vote in the midterm than in the prior presidential election. Well, if that's anything to go off of, then we need to say this. The Democrats did maintain control of the House in 2022. I'm I'm sorry, in 2020. But they, wow, they lost some key areas. Southern Texas, Miami, for instance. Nobody thought Miami would turn Republican. This was safe Democrat territory. That's how bad it was. But it wasn't enough. Why? Donald Trump. Donald Trump mobilized people against the Republicans. If Donald Trump didn't seek reelection and it was some other Republican, I think it's fair to say the Democrats would not have won. Republicans would control everything. However, it is fair to point out Donald Trump also did get a record number of votes for a sitting president. He didn't beat Joe Biden, but he got a massive number. I think he got over 10 million more votes this time around. So he may have he may be it may be that Trump really did mobilize people for the Republicans. And that's the only reason they did so well in the House. It's hard to know for sure. I can say that it's looking really, really bad for Democrats. And it's not just about history either. I bring that up because I think it's fair to say that it could just be redistricting and a historical trend. It could actually be, I don't know, rising gas price projections complicate Biden's horizon. It could could very well be that people want a return to normal. They're tired of the lockdowns. They're tired of being told they can't go outside. They're tired of saying they can't wear go to the movies. They're tired of being told they have to wear masks for two seconds as they walk into the restaurant, take them off when they sit down, and then walk out without putting them back on, which seems to make literally no sense for anybody. I think the Democrats keep pushing, keep demanding more. And it's going to result in people saying, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Republicans win. But there is an alternate scenario from TimCast.com. About half of both Republicans and Democrats view the other side as enemies that threaten their entire way of life. The CBS News YouGov survey was focused on opinions surrounding the events that took place on January 6th. When asked about their feelings towards people in the other party, 43% of Democrats and 48% of Republicans view the other side as enemies 
who threatened their entire way of life. The respondents were asked to classify the other side as their enemy or political opposition. When polled about political violence, about a quarter of Americans cited gun policies, abortion policies, civil rights, labor issues, and even vaccine and coronavirus policies as reasons that they may support it. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Quote, among liberals and Democrats, about four in 10 say civil rights and equality issues are important enough that violence might be justified over them, and a quarter named labor issues and abortion policies. For the right, that is, conservatives and Republicans, it's more likely to be gun policies and election results, with about four in 10 saying force might be justified on these issues. The pollsters found that within each group, those who would justify violence tend to be younger and somewhat more ideologically extreme. That is, identifying as very liberal or conservative, it's important to note that they also belong, they also report being less likely to vote, which may reflect an inclination to seek political outcomes by other less traditional means. Let me expand upon that and explain to you why this is really bad. These young people, they are more ideologically extreme. They're going to get older. When they're in their 40s, their views aren't going to change for the most part. In fact, they could become more extreme. As people get older, they tend to become more political. So if you have, let's put it this way, Gen X, very similar in politics to each other, both Democrat and Republican, but further apart than, say, boomers, millennials even further apart. You can see that as the new generation comes in, the distance between both sides will increase. When Gen Xers age out of the workforce and then eventually retire and pass on, Millennials will be in charge of everything, and they're more ideologically opposed to each other. Gen Z will be more ideologically opposed to each other. And then the next generation, which is what Generation Alpha, I think it's called, are going to be even further apart. This means it has nothing to do with recruitment. It has nothing to do with media. It has nothing to do with what I'm telling you right now. It has everything to do with how kids are being raised by the older generation. And if Republicans can stop the schools from indoctrinating kids— then it may actually start to pull back. The left, younger generation, may start to become less ideologically extreme. But if these leftist institutions, these schools and these teachers keep indoctrinating kids, we are going to see extreme hyperpolarization as a result of an aging population, not as a result of recruitment. This is what people don't understand. If young people are not taught your values and the things you care about, be it politics or, I don't know, uh, riding a bike, then there will be no culture around that. 
you can take a look at why certain institutions die off, why certain sports die off. I made this point to Steve Bannon. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was kind of funny. Rollerblading is a good example. It was substantially more popular than any action sport even today in the 90s. Rollerblading was huge. It was massive. And then all of a sudden, it started to fade away. It started to die off. And now there's almost no rollerblading culture. Why is that? They did not inspire kids. So as they got older, slowly started quitting because it's an intensive sport, started having families and getting jobs. Who was there to carry on that culture? No one. But skateboarding picked up. Kids were inspired to skateboard. Skateboarding was, was seen as cooler for whatever reason. They chose to do that. And now there is a massive skateboarding industry that is growing by the day. It's becoming really corporate, but it's a really good example. So take a look now at the United States and politics. And that same principle applies. If conservatives keep putting their children in institutionalized learning facilities where their kids will be indoctrinated, then conservative values will disappear. But conservatives have more kids than liberals. If conservatives in rural areas uh, pass down their values, send their kids to, say, church, Sunday school, or just homeschool them, then they will not become leftist. They will carry on the the traditions and values and way of life of conservatives. The left, having less children but indoctrinating kids at schools, will be able to maintain some ideological polarization as well. So long as these areas, cities and rural rural areas, are, are, are separated, you are going to see more and more pronounced hyperpolarization. There, are, most of the people who watch my videos and Timcast IRL are millennials, mostly millennial males. You all need to have families and have kids. And I know, I know, criticize me. I need to do the same thing. I totally get it. You all need to do that because right now it's it's not enough just to watch videos like this. You are probably watching these videos because you already had an inclination in this direction. Now, there certainly are a lot of people who are like, wow, my eyes have been opened by watching independent media. Sure. But that's the rarity. Most people already agree with these values. And so when they see the stories, they're like, makes sense to me. And that's why many leftists can't be broken out of their cult. Their entire brain is hardwired from indoctrination and from the values given to them by their parents. They'll never let it go. There's no amount of data you can give to them. So while we can talk about something like mass formation psychosis and say that people are going insane, it's important to point out that many people were raised insane. I don't mean literally insane. I just mean they were raised with these worldviews and they won't drop them. You can't convince them. Some people can be changed. Some people can, can be convinced. And I feel like the recruitment phase for the most part is over, though there is still a decent amount of people uh, in the middle who aren't really paying attention and can be convinced. Most people who are ideological are as ideological as they're going to be. They're going to instill those values in the next generation, be it through schools or through their family. And those kids will grow up not being polarized by the media, not being polarized by academia, but just living in that world. They will then see the other, the conservatives or whatever, and say they are so wrong and so different from me, I could never reconcile with them. It would be insane. Imagine if someone came to you and said, you know, the sky is green and you'd say the sky is blue. And all you're really arguing is semantics because they certainly see the same sky as you, but they use a different word for it. You would then be like, these people are nuts. The sky is not green. The sky is blue. And they'd be like, this person's insane. This guy's clearly green. Not understanding they're referring to the same concept by a different word. That's all that matters. Then they would just say, you are nuts. The reason I bring that portion, that, that part up is because when we're talking about what's going on with the wokeness and the left, 
is that the, the woke left and the right actually agree on so much, but they use different words to describe them. The left uses racism to mean something completely different. And so by doing that, the right doesn't understand what they're talking about. And when the right says racism in the traditional sense, the left is like, how does that apply to what we're talking about? Different languages. And thus, there we go. Imagine there are two individuals who meet in an open field. They're both armed. They, they speak different languages. And they don't understand each other's cultures or way of life. And they fear each other. Then they start trying to talk and they can't understand each other. It's a recipe for disaster. Not always. Depends on the willingness to fight. But some people might just say, I don't trust you. I don't like you. And the way you talk sounds weird. And you'll probably hurt me. And there you go. Fighting breaks out. I don't know exactly how it will play out. But I can say... According to the media, the American people favor insurrection. Take that uh, as however you want to take it. Or we can just flat out say the mainstream media is lying about this and the American people don't want an insurrection. It's just that, well, it wasn't one. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. This is a shocking story from a few days ago. Uh, I didn't get to it, but I've been wanting to talk about it and the ongoing protests and rioting over COVID restrictions. And now that we're getting more and more news about record-breaking COVID cases, over a million cases in the U.S. or whatever, and the obvious politics around this, I thought, we got to highlight this story. An Australian man self-immolates after ranting against COVID vaccines. I'll tell you the challenge right now. We're not Australia. But we could be. Australia's got quarantine camps where we were assured that it was only for people who were coming into the country and needed to quarantine. You see, they were putting people in hotels. That wasn't working out. There was no real food. People were complaining. There were no windows. So they said, okay, we will appropriate mining facilities into international arrival bungalows. That's what I was told. And I said, no. It's only a matter of time before they start taking Australian citizens from their homes and bringing them here. And they started doing that. And we've got firsthand uh, uh, witnesses, people who have actually experienced these camps. That's where Australia is. And now it's gotten to the point where the restrictions are so severe. Well, first, I'll tell you this. I have a friend in Australia who told me it's an open air prison. It feels like an open air prison and that people are escaping cities to get some semblance of freedom, to be able to go outdoors to breathe. A man set himself on fire, doused himself in gasoline, yelling about COVID lockdowns. And this is how you get total societal collapse. Self-immolation protests, you guys got to understand, it's serious and it works. Not always, uh, but typically it does generate a massive amount of attention and it shows you that the system is on the verge of breaking. Let me, let me, let me explain something. The Arab Spring. There was a, a man named, I think it was Muhammad Wazizi. He was an apple cart, uh, he was a fruit, fruit cart vendor, struggling to get by. And the government wouldn't let him sell his fruit. He was being harassed. And, and he was just trying to live. And they were ticketing him. And he just never had enough money. So finally, he went in front of a government building, immolated himself, set himself on fire, dying in protest. This sparked the Arab Spring across how many countries, North Africa and the Middle East, all of a sudden we were seeing riots throughout the Arab world because one man self-immolated. Now, I shouldn't say because of one man. The fact is that was breaking the dam. That was setting people off and finally they had enough. 
So what you need to understand about what's happening in Australia and the Australian government should be warned. People can bend only so far before they break. And when you're at the point where, look, in, in Tunisia, where this man, this, this, this food vendor was struggling and impoverished, he had nothing to live for. He was struggling to eat. And he said, enough. Australia is the first world. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, this is, this is, a, this is Melbourne, I believe. It's Victoria. These are people who have nice cars, roads. They, they live in air conditioning with the finest meals and foods. You can get out of season fruits and vegetables whenever you want, basically. Well, I don't know about how Australia does it, but for the most part, that's how the first world operates, right? And it's so bad that a man doused himself in gasoline and set himself on fire. What that means is that the system is on the verge of collapse. Not always. You know, you've, there, there have been people who have protested things that may be a bit esoteric, government conspiracies or policy. And I'll tell you this, you know, a lot of people, they're not going to self-immolate because California is not, you know, arresting illegal immigrants or anything like that. They're just going to complain about it. That's not something that cracks society. But police keeping you in your homes, taking people to camps, that's when you get people saying, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. So I'd say this, be warned, Australian government, when people are willing to kill themselves and not just like out of defeatism, but in, in, in setting themselves on fire, one of the most brutal ways to do it, that you have people who are willing to go to extreme ends, your system is on the verge of collapse. Here's the story from the New York Post. An Australian man was critically injured after he doused himself in gasoline and lit himself on fire in public on New Year's Day after ranting against vaccines, according to local reports. The gruesome act of self-immolation occurred just after 8 p.m. local time in the Richmond section of Melbourne when the man poured the gasoline in himself and, it, and his vehicle while shouting expletives regarding the state of Victoria's new COVID-19 vaccine mandate, according to the Herald Sun. Witnesses said police and firefighters tried to douse the burning man with water as he exited the vehicle, still shouting. With the help of, live, of five bystanders, officials restrained the man and put him into an ambulance that transported him to the Alfred Hospital. His skin was burning. He was on fire. A woman who did not want to be, to be identified told the Herald Sun, his skin stuck to my shirt. He was just off his face screaming about the, about the vaccine mandates. A spokesperson for the hospital told the paper the man was in critical but stable condition. One witness, Lydia O'Connor, was dining at a nearby restaurant when she heard the man's screams. He poured gas on himself and on his car. It was on purpose. He was screaming about mandates. He was screaming, no vax ID and throwing books. The scene was cordoned off by law enforcement after the incident, and patrons at local shops and restaurants were asked to remain inside. The man has not yet been identified by law enforcement. Victoria state government requires individuals to present proof of vaccination in order to enter bars, restaurants, and movie theaters. Workers are also required to be fully vaccinated. Check out this from The Independent. Protests, anger, it's spreading. I don't know how far, how far it will get, but I have no reason to believe that it will stop because it's happening all over Europe and the US. And I have to wonder if this is even about COVID at this point. Anti-vaxxers storm COVID testing center and trash equipment in disgraceful protest. Prominent anti-lockdown figure Pierce Corbin helped lead Freedom Rally through Milton Keynes. 
Police are appealing for information on the dozens of people filmed taking over an NHS test and trace site in Milton Keynes with one woman captured ransacking an office and stealing what appears to be various COVID testing samples and equipment. My friends, this story, people are mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore. We are getting to the point where people are actually going out and this is an act of revolution. Look, this is not an overt declaration of anything, but this is an act of revolution. Take a look at the American Revolution, the Boston Tea Party. A handful of people, you know, went in and protested this, this, this thing. They, they, they threw tea into the harbor over taxes. My understanding is that they, they didn't vandalize anything and they replaced the lock after they had finished their protest because they understood, you know, don't victimize the people over government policy. What this is, something similar. Now, this could be nothing. It could be vandalism. It could be protest. Um, could end up being nothing. Or it could be a grain of sand in a heap that is a revolutionary act. People saying no to their government, people removing politicians. And it could be, you know what? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you where people are ready to lose their minds. Remember, um, what was it? Was it 2019? There was that ground uh, earth shattering election in the UK where conservatives won like districts and areas of the UK. I'm not, I'm not familiar with UK politics for the most part, but areas that had been liberal for like a hundred years turned conservative. What do you think? This this is how it goes. People get fed up and the U S is on track for this as well, because we follow a similar track to the UK. Look at Brexit. Look at Donald Trump. People voted. They voted in, in a major swing to conservatives saying, save us from these psychopaths. What happened? Boris Johnson, what did he do? No, they just locked everybody down. Now, people seeing that there is no electoral path to freedom and personal uh, uh, um, liberties. Yeah, they're going to go around ransacking buildings. It's very different from what we saw with Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Black Lives Matter and Antifa were acting at, on the behest, uh, uh, on behalf of the machine. They're, they're going around espousing corporate slogans and espousing the message that people are not are, are pissed off about authoritarian crackpots that are basking in the in the messaging of the establishment. Yeah, Kamala Harris bails these people out. Staffers for Joe Biden provide funding as well. That is not revolutionary. That is fascist fascistic. This is regular people destroying a testing and tracing site. Antifa showed up to a protest against mandates and beat people. This is in the U.S. There were people saying, hey, no mandate. So Antifa showed up and started beating people. Antifa is not revolutionary. Antifa is statist. This is revolutionary. I'm not condemning or condoning. Just pointing out that basic fact. The footage was shared on social media, also showed members of the crowd throwing traffic cones towards the marquee setup to administer tests. While the man can be heard announcing via a loud hailer, that they come peacefully. It was not immediately clear if those present believe the testing site was a vaccination center, but much of the anger expressed in the videos appeared to be about COVID jabs. Jeff Wyatt, former deputy leader of the far right for Britain movement, yeah, far right, addressed the crowd before leading its charge through the site, where he claimed there were millions of like-minded anti-vaccine activists who have woken up. How much you want to bet they're not actually anti-vax, they're just anti-mandate because that's what they're doing now. They're conflating anybody who opposes government mandates to being an anti-vaxxer. You know what? 
It's stupid, and I literally don't care. I, I absolutely do not care about your stupid, moronic, semantic games. Yeah, you don't want mandates? Well, you're an anti-vaxxer. Don't care. You can call it a floorbow for all I care. Mandates are wrong. Call me every name in the book. Your worldview is garbage, and you are a crackpot despot that I don't care about. These people who are in the matrix, who follow along with this stuff. You are the banality of evil. You are those people in pictures from, from 1930s Germany standing and saluting the Nazi party. I, I love it because people are like, you know, uh, uh, not everything can be compared to Nazi Germany. You know what? Okay, fine. I'll walk that one way back and say it was wrong of me to compare you to the mindless drones that empowered fascism. I'll just throw it to, I don't know, Spain, the Civil War. Yeah, you're those crackpots that led to fascism. Or how about Italy? Or how about China raising the red salute as you march down the street and say, it's not communist. Morons. And you know what? At a certain point, like I'll put it this way. I, I, I said this the other day. I think the recruiting phase is well over, right? There, there are moderate, either, either you're paying attention and you realize what's happened to your life or you're not. I don't see... Any, any of this that I'm producing, convincing people for the most part. No, no, to be fair, there will, st- there, there will still be some people who, will, who are late to the game and will be waking up and realizing what's going on. I've ta- and, and, and direct interaction can really help. I have friends whose parents are trapped in the matrix watching CNN all day, even though CNN has no ratings. And then I go and sit down and I can answer every single question about all of these major issues around Trump and, and Biden and the lockdowns and the economy. And they're like, oh, I didn't know those things. And I can be like, I can, I can show you all the sources and prove it. These people... They get pulled out of it. But many people, I think, I think for the most part, we, are, we have squeezed the last bit of olive oil out of that olive and we are well beyond. It, it is no longer fair to say extra virgin olive oil. No, it is a withered, dried husk. We've squeezed so much of that olive, it's turned to dust. There are still people who need to, be, who need to have this stuff explained to them. This is not about COVID. Look at China. Everyone's got to have their social, their social app their, their app on their phones to travel around. They lock people down for weeks on a whim. Oh, we think there's COVID. Everybody lock in, lock, locked in your homes. Testing every single place you go. They stick a, a swab up your nose. They've even stuck cotton swabs into the rectums of U.S. officials. This is not about COVID. It is about pushing you until you just get on your knees and fillet the state. That's what's happening. Now, COVID sucks. It's bad. And Omicron is surging. The latest reports say that the symptoms are fairly mild because as time goes on, COVID becomes more transmissible but weaker. My understanding is that Omicron has some of the highest transmissibility we've ever seen, in, we've seen yet in any COVID variant, which means basically everyone is likely to get it. And it's, it's, it's mild, though. It's mild, though. Still very bad. And uh, very much worse than the flu, because I had it. I didn't have, I don't know if I had Omicron or Delta or whatever. Um, no idea. I don't even know how they determine whether you have, what strain you have, because when they tested me, they didn't check for any of that stuff, or when I got tested. And uh, it was bad. It was absolutely brutal, and I would not recommend anybody get it. 
So that being said, you got you to talk to trusted medical professionals about what makes sense. And I'm not saying go blindly to a doctor who can't answer questions. Yo, if you get a doctor and you ask him questions and, and they can't answer it, find a better doctor. I saw this meme where someone's like, my doctor doesn't even know what's in it. And I'm like, dude, if you hired a plumber and you asked the plumber, like, what's the name of the pipe behind the toilet? Or like, what do you call that? He's like, oh, a pipe. You'd be like, isn't there a name for like a U-joint or something? Oh, <laughs> you need to get a real plumber, dude. I assure you, plumbers can tell you all of the names of things. It's all about finding someone who knows what they're talking about. Look at Dr. Robert Malone. He's a scientist, right? You can trust the science, but that means also listening to the establishment narrative and the dissent at the same time. I'm trying to draw that conclusion. So how do we how do you get through to these people who are giving up all of their freedoms for uh, for totalitarian security? Many of these people don't want to be gotten to. They want to just revel in the mob. They want to march along in lockstep because it feels good. They don't want to think for themselves. Well, I don't think we're waking those people up. It has been a decade of these conversations about the absurdity of what's been happening. and It's only getting worse. Granted, I'm not saying it's over. I'm not saying give up. I'm saying we're reaching this point where the system is on the verge of snapping. The dam is going to break. Michael Malice, smart guy. He said they thought Trump was the river, but he was the dam or something to that effect when he was actually the dam. Trump was stopping this from surging through. People were angry. They were mad as hell. And they saw Donald Trump and said, OK, we'll give this guy a shot. And then the establishment went, uh, went absolutely balls to the wall against Trump to stop him. And they broke the dam. And now there are people saying there's nothing left. Now, of course, I think voting in the primaries voting locally in, in your state, and then, you know, those primary votes for the Republican Party into the federal election in November, that is a really good chance. And hopefully we still have an opportunity here in 2024. But I tell you this, if, uh, if people begin to feel like there is nothing they can do and they have nothing left to lose, it'll get a lot worse than self-immolation. It's like that uh, joke from Futurama. Bender, remember Bender? Yeah, you like Bender. He said, I'm so embarrassed. I wish everyone else was dead. That, that's the joke, right? And that's you, you was trying to I, you're making fun of Bender for being self-interested and he would rather everyone else, you know, no longer be be alive as opposed to himself. Well, there are people like that. And there are a lot of people like that. And that's scary. Violence is bad. You know, this ransacking of the stuff, it, 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 it doesn't help. But if we're at the point where no one's being convinced anymore, then I think it's just going to degrade into absolute violence anyway. When you have someone in Australia who sets the, who pours gasoline all over themselves in their car and immolates, uh, self-immolates, and then goes out screaming up the mandates, this is a person who has nothing left to lose. Nothing left to lose. Everything has been taken from them, and they have been pushed too hard by the government, and they're snapping. In order for there to be camps, concentration camps, internment camps, whatever, people need to be compliant, which means the camps need to be enacted before things get too bad. In Australia right now, they build these camps, they're building more, and they can bring people to them because things haven't gotten to that point. But eventually, when people start to see things getting really bad, they will not comply. And when people don't comply, the government can't contain them. There are about, what is the number? I've mentioned this before. I think like 30,000 police officers in New York City, and they're not all active duty. They're not like, they're not all on the street. Some are administrative and some are rotating shifts. That's it. Let's, let's, let's say 40,000. I don't know what the number is. 40,000. Because it might be like 38 or something. There are millions of people in New York 
if millions of people in New York no longer have confidence in the system and a large portion have gotten to the point, well, let's say 1% of the 2 million people in Manhattan have gotten to the point where they feel like they have nothing left to lose and they're willing to self-immolate. That's 20,000 people. Imagine if it's 1% of the greater New York metro, which I think is like 10 million people. Now you're dealing with 100,000 people. How many cops are there? Not nearly enough. And how many of these cops are part of that 1% as well? How many police officers are also going to be like, I don't have anything anymore. It's all been taken away. When people no longer have confidence in a system, the system ceases to exist because these are abstracts. Our government is an abstract. People believing in elections is an abstract. People thinking the U.S. dollar has value. Abstract. There is no tangible reality tying people to this other than mass confidence. When you see people rioting, when you see people immolating themselves, confidence is being broken. And so what that brings us to is the point where people just stop. There there can be a couple different ways this goes. One is that people just no longer believe the government is relevant and they ignore it. But if the government maintains a show of force, which they are in Australia and in the US, not as much, but in Europe as well, then people start to believe the government has no, the emperor has no clothes. And these people I do not respect and don't represent me are threatening me with violence. So I'll put it this way. When the government oppresses the people to a point where the people no longer have faith in that government, the cops will no longer be viewed as officer friendly. They will no longer be viewed as enforcers of the state. They will be viewed as a criminal gang. And that's already happened to a great degree in the U.S. among many on the left, among, you know, many Antifa types. Let me show you this. This is a video uh, from Aussie Cossack. Police ordered to get out by Queensland cafe owner and angry locals. Is crazy. In this video, the cops come in and are acting a fool and, and causing trouble. And the cafe owner is basically like, get out, get out, get out. I've asked you four times. You have to leave. No one here has broken the law. And then people in the cafe, just regular people, start chanting for the police to get out. This reminds me of that V for Vendetta moment where uh, the inspector is, is telling the story and he says, eventually someone will do something stupid. And it shows the police officer shoot the little girl. We're getting to that point. Let me give you a scenario in Australia. People are already willing to say I'm mad as hell and I can't take it anymore. I'm not going to take it anymore. What happens when the police walk into a cafe and start shaking down the cafe owner and locals are getting angry and they're yelling, get out at the cops and the cops say no. And the cop tries arresting or striking someone who works there. And then regular people feeling that they're, they, have, they have no confidence in these officers and viewing them more as a criminal gang than as law enforcement. What happens then when the people start beating the cops? When that happens, everyone around who feel the same way will just say the police are illegitimate. And many already feel that way. That's why the man self-immolating is such such an important moment to pay attention to. It shows that someone is not only willing to lay down their life in protest, that they're fed up with the government, that they feel the system is broken. They have nothing left to lose, but they are so angry They will protest and end their lives in one of the most brutal ways imaginable. It'd be one thing when you have people right now, suicides are way up. These are people saying, I've got nothing left and I have no reason to fight. These are people who are saying there's nothing left for me, but the system is too strong. The man immolating himself 
is someone who says the system is not strong and I will stand up against it. What happens when all of these people who are committing suicide and, and then they're up just say, well, if I'm going out and they take it to the streets. Yeah, Australia will collapse. Europe will collapse. The US will collapse. China, man, they seem to have figured it out, I guess. But I think even China can't handle it. If, if all of these billion people just reject the system, the system collapses. So pay attention. This is getting serious, and this year is going to be absolutely insane. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The establishment media is losing. The corporate press is collapsing. And Joe Rogan is winning. As are other shows like Timcast IRL, this show, we continue to grow, we do better and better, but we're still very small relative to all of these other mainstream news programs, and especially compared to Joe Rogan. But there's a big story, a couple big stories, one about obviously Joe Rogan's ratings, but the other about a journalist at the CBC who has resigned talking about how it used to be a real news company. Now it's just like a student zine writing about, I, I kid you not, the, the, the article she talks about where she's like confused about it is Filip non-binary Filipinos struggling because Tagalog doesn't have non-binary pronouns or something. I kid you not. She writes, she doesn't understand why it is that is an editorial priority and other really big stories are not. And you know what? The readers of the CBC, the viewers also have the same question. Now, as I was digging into this story and looking at Joe Rogan's ratings, I, I, I found this article from The Independent. It's titled, YouTube takes down anti-vax Joe Rogan interview with Dr. Robert Malone which likened vaccines to mass psychosis. Well, the controversial episode remains on Spotify. YouTube has removed a video of the full interview, which was uploaded by an unofficial channel. It was not uploaded by Joe Rogan. And a lot of people are trying to make it seem like the removal of Dr. Malone's uh, interview, as well as Peter, uh, I think it's Peter McCullough, was um, like Joe Rogan uploaded it and YouTube took it down. Rogan does not upload uh, his episodes. He uploads, uploads clips to YouTube, not full episodes. But I saw this headline and it really breaks down for you exactly what this journalist from the CBC is saying. And it really, I guess, helps us understand why it's not just about Joe Rogan. It's about all of us. It's about this show. It's about you guys watching. So I'll say this before we get started. Go to TimCast. I don't normally do it in these segments, but I'm going to do it here because it's important. Go to TimCast.com. Become a member. Help support our work. We are growing. We are funded almost exclusively by your memberships. All the journalists that we have on this website who are writing articles and fact-checking everything, it's because you guys are members. So if we're going to sit here and rag on the insane lies of the mainstream media, I would only ask you to, if you can, and you want to support our work, share this video and sign up at TimCast.com so that we can keep doing this work. Because for those that may be wondering, maybe you didn't see the interview with Joe Rogan and Dr. Malone, it did not liken vaccines to mass psychosis, and it was not an anti-vax podcast. In fact, Dr. Malone is fairly middle of the road. Malone was censored from Twitter, censored from YouTube, and many of you probably know the story, but I want to give you some context before we get into talk about the bigger mainstream media uh, problems. Dr. Malone, if you listen to this interview with Joe Rogan, he's actually very pro-vaccine and he's actually been vaccinated. I think he's been boosted. I could be wrong, but he's not even opposed to, to he's very middle of the road. Look, there are people who go online and, 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 put out crazy conspiracy theories and think the worst possible thing about the vaccines. 
Dr. Malone isn't even doing that. In fact, I think he had some positive, many positive words to say about mRNA technology and the vaccines themselves, even pushing back to a certain degree on Joe Rogan. When, when uh, Dr. Malone was bringing up Uttar Pradesh in India, where many people have claimed people are being treated with ivermectin, he actually pulled back a little bit because I think his goal is to be factual. He says, we don't know what Uttar Pradesh was treating their people with, but it may have been ivermectin. Now, that's that's big because you'd expect anti-vaxxers to say it's a fact this happened. I'm not here to to get into the science or anything like that. I'm not I'm not here to talk about the science. I'm 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 not a doctor. OK, you got to talk to a trusted medical professional, as I always say, as many people do. I'm here to point out that the episode was not likening vaccines to mass psychosis. Dr. Malone was talking about the censorship. He was talking about articles just like this. So uh, I, I don't know if this would qualify as strong irony, situational irony, but uh, uh, an article lying about vaccines being likened to mass psychosis by Dr. Malone when Dr. Malone was explaining that the fake news and the censorship is the mass psychosis. A little bit of irony in there, uh, I guess. Or maybe it's just coincidental because it would have to be the independent making those claims or whatever. But but maybe it's there. Let me, let me show you Joe Rogan's ratings. Uh, Luke Rudkowski, you know him from Timcast IRL or from his channel, uh, We Are Change on YouTube. He tweeted, this is why they are afraid of Rogan. And we have this chart. Now, I want to break this down. It says the Joe Rogan experience, 11 million views. Next up, Tucker Carlson, 3.24. The Five, 2.98. Hannity, 2.94. Fox News primetime average, 2.37. Ingram, 2.35. That's all Fox News. Fox News is the top of the of the charts, to be honest. Then the Rachel Maddow sh- uh, show at 2.2, MSNBC 1.7, and CNN 0.82. This is why they fear Joe Rogan. Now, Joe Rogan's not a late night talk show host. He doesn't do one hour. And this is where things actually start to look worse for the mainstream media. Now, with Tucker Carlson tonight, The Five, Hannity, etc., and all these shows, and Rachel Maddow, they're on live for that hour. For Tucker Carlson, if you want to watch the show, you got to pay for it. It's paywalled, but you can watch it for free on TV, or I should say it's on cable, so you got to pay for cable or whatever. If Tucker Carlson put out his show as a podcast, then, because I don't think it is, I think it's it's on Fox Nation and you got to pay for it, then he'd probably be getting way more views as well. However, Joe Rogan getting 11 million views per episode on a three-hour episode, imagine if Joe broke up each one of his shows into an hour segment like Tucker or these other shows are. They're one-hour segments. Joe would have three times the viewership based on, you know, so, so what I mean to say is technically that wouldn't be true. He'd still be getting 11 million per episode, but his, his overall total viewership would substantially increase threefold across the board. That, I think, is relevant to this conversation. Joe Rogan is the mainstream media. So I want to give a shout out to all of those independent, you know, the news articles that want to lie about Joe. Here's the funny thing about how they lie about Joe Rogan when they say that his episode likened vaccines to mass psychosis. Who are you trying to convince? 11 million people listen to that show and they know full well that's not true. Joe is absolutely obliterating these mainstream media outlets. And and again, I don't want to sell ourselves short. We are growing rapidly. We've got, I think, 32 employees now. We're growing. The more you guys sign up and support our work, the more we grow. And I'd love to see Joe expand beyond just his one show. This is one of the things that really worries me about this. Now, let me go back in time. 
a lot of the growth I've had at, at, as, uh, with Timcast, my channel, and the website is thanks in part to Joe Rogan. It depends on how you view it. Joe had me on his show and I had only, I think, like 300,000 subscribers. And then it immediately boosted me up to several hundred thousand, 600 or so, 800, like between two channels. And that really did help me. Uh, Joe had me on a couple times. I went on with Jack Dorsey and that was a big boost for my career, which allowed me to continue to grow and expand. Joe's not doing the same thing. He doesn't have to. And I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, saying this as, a, as, as a, a dig or anything. Joe is a comedian. He's an um, MMA commentator, and he does a talk show. Fantastic. But he's not launching a news show. He's not launching a news website. He's not taking his values and creating a larger base around that. And again, he doesn't have to. I want to do that. That's what I want to do. That's what we need to do. So while Timcast may be nowhere near as big as the Joe Rogan experience, I think our, uh, um, our daily average is slightly less than CNN. We get around 800,000 uh, views. Um, on Timcast IRL alone. Well, to be fair, the whole show network we're getting, you know, I think like two or three million per day uh, across all platforms, which is good, but it's not the same as like a single show, right? So, so we're growing. I want to, I want to make sure we can produce more news, hire more journalists and counter the lies in the mainstream media, which means Joe Rogan, how much longer can he carry on this show? How much longer will these views last? Because eventually he's going to slow down. Maybe it not, might not be for another 30 years. I mean, dude could end up very old hosting a show. And Larry King was pretty old. I think he's still doing shows. But if Joe is not expanding beyond his footprint, then we need to make sure that we are pursuing that, that message, this kind of thinking that Joe is spearheading and build something more out of it. So I think we're doing that here at TimCast. But let me show you this article. Speaking freely, lean out with Tara Henley. Tara Henley was a CBC journalist who quit. And she breakdowns exactly why she did. Because the media companies are going insane. And I'll stress this point. People listen to Joe Rogan because he's relatable. He's a regular guy. He's honest. He's, he speaks logic. When he talks about what's going on with his treatment and COVID and all that stuff, what he says makes sense. What the independent says is an obvious lie or opinion. How about that? This is what it's like in the mainstream media. Tara Henley writes why I resigned from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. She says, for months now, I've been getting complaints about the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, where I've worked at, worked as a TV and radio producer and occasional on-air columnist for much of this past decade. People want to know why, for example, non-binary Filipinos concerned about a lack of LGBT terms in Tagalog is an editorial priority for the CBC. Tagalog, of course, for those that are familiar, is the uh, is I, I think it's the most common language among Filipinos, though I, they do speak many other languages. When local issues of broad concern go unreported or why our pop culture radio shows coverage of the Dave Chappelle Netflix special failed to include any of the legions of fans or comics that did not find it offensive. Or why exactly taxpayers should be funding articles that scold Canadians for using words such as brainstorm and lame. When I started the National Public Broadcaster in 2013, the network produced some of the best journalism in the country. By the time I resigned last month, it embodied some of the worst trends in mainstream media. In a short period of time, the CBC went from being a trusted source of news to churning out clickbait that reads like a parody of the student press. Wow. Tara Henley, absolutely bravo on that, uh, on that quip. 
It reads like a parody, not even the student press. No, no, mind you, a parody of one. All right. Now, look, look at this story from uh, CBC. How non-binary Filipinos reconcile their identities with their language's lack of LGBT terms. You want to talk about colonization? How about white liberal ideology rooted in a Germanic language complaining about how other languages aren't beholden to Germanic syntax? Okay, this is the craziest thing ever. Many languages do not have non-binary words. Some do. I think Swedish is non-binary or something like that. Norse languages. But English, we have she and her. And and he and his and him and whatever, hers. And apparently, because of this, it's not even the most gendered language. White progressives want other languages to adopt non-binary terminology. Isn't that uh, colonization? Shouldn't Tagalog be allowed to stand as its own language? Well, they actually wrote this article. And I got to say, I got no issue with this article. And I have no issue with the perspective of these individuals who are speaking about these issues. However, if this is displacing very important news, then people are going to be asking, what is going on at the CBC? Tara goes on to say, those of us on the inside know just how swiftly and how dramatically the politics of the public broadcaster have shifted. It used to be that I was one of the furthest to the left in any newsroom, occasionally causing strain in story meetings with my views on issues like the housing crisis. I am now easily the most conservative frequently sparking tension by questioning identity politics. This happened in the span of about 18 months. My own politics politics did not change. Hey, I think we all know exactly how that goes. Many of you probably were center left libertarian types who now consider yourselves to be conservatives, even though you're not conservative. But when they convince you you're conservative, then traditional conservatives get booted out. And then the far left can say, if you're on the left and you're liberal, then you believe in socialism. No. If we're looking at the political compass with far left being negative 100 and far right being positive 100, and I don't mean that in a negative or positive way, I'll just say, we'll say it in scale. You know what? We'll do this. You have team B and team one or whatever. If on the left, you reach the furthest point of the left economic scale, you are a socialist, complete controlled economics. The further right you go on the economic scale, you end up with totally free uh, open markets and uh, free enterprise. Now, if you're on the left, you favor slightly more cooperative systems than competitive systems. There are a lot of people on the right who don't like this terminology, but I think it's one of the easiest way to explain it. A competitive system is not adversarial. It's not enemies. It's like two guys provide contracting services, and then people get to choose which one is the best. They're competing for business. A cooperative system is you have one group of contractors, they all work together, and you go to them and they try and sort it out. In some ways, left communal cooperative systems make sense. In many ways, they don't. If you are far left, then you are probably a communist. So a socialist for her, which is my own politics didn't change. She's probably been center left for a long time. And now leftists in the mainstream are dominating the conversation. They are cultural leftists and economic leftists. For most of us, we're like cultural center left and economic center left. For that, we are to the right of the, these extremists in the establishment and the mainstream media, and they'll call us all right wing. But do not call yourself a conservative unless you're actually a conservative. And you can talk to real conservatives. They have very different opinions from liberals. 
The problem is that the cult has has just shattered what it means to be left and right. The fact remains that on the political spectrum, I am on the left. However, the way they use the left, the cult, it just basically means, are you a, are you in the tribe, in their cult, or are you a deviant? It doesn't actually mean left cultural or economics. It doesn't mean right cultural or economics, which means their whole view of left and right is meaningless. To them, Hassan Piker of, uh, uh, you know, uh, Hassan the Hun, when he says the government should be allowed to mandate ID requirements and proof you've been administered a private product from a massive multinational pharmaceutical corporation, he says that's left wing. That's not left wing. The people on the left, that is not left wing. The lucrative merger of corporation and state is not left wing. It is authoritarianism. But sure, fine, call yourself whatever you want. I suppose if you completely nationalize those systems and then force people, you're an authoritarian leftist. I suppose you can be that, I guess. She goes on to say, to work at the CBC in the current climate is to embrace cognitive dissonance and to abandon journalistic integrity. It is to sign on enthusiastically to a radical political agenda that originated on Ivy League campuses in the United States and spread through American social media platforms that monetize outrage and stoke societal divisions. It is to pretend that the woke worldview is near universal, even if it is far from popular and those you know and speak to and interview and read. Yeah, wokeness is not popular. But they've infiltrated enough seats of power that, well, they're gaining more and more power. And it's it's starting to appear like there is some popularity among this uh, among people who hold this worldview. And it's just not true. We've seen the data. I've covered it for years. A couple, I think 2018, it was 8% of the US, eight. Now, if that number has grown, it has certainly not grown by that much in the span of a few years, but it may be growing quickly. But what, 10, 12%? Still the overwhelming minority. The issue is it's not about wokeness. It's about the cult. And there are many people who dance behind Joe Biden cheering, even though the guy can't even speak properly. But it's because they're in a cult. And the way you keep someone in the cult is you don't give them access to information. You love bomb them. You tell them you're right. You're so great. We love you. Don't listen. Don't listen. Then when Joe Biden comes out and says, true to not a shot of pressure, which he literally said there, they don't hear it. And so later on, they're confused when people are saying, let's go, Brandon, or Trinidad Chapter Pressure. Like, I don't understand what this means. Just plug your ears. Don't listen. It'll break you out of the cult. She goes on to say to work at the CBC now is to accept the idea that race is the most significant thing about a person and that some races are more relevant to the public conversation than, than others. It is in my newsroom to fill out a racial profile form for every guest you book to actively book more people of some races and less of others. To work at the CBC is to submit to job interviews that are not about qualifications or experience, but instead demand the pairing of orthodoxies, the demonstration of fealty to dogma. This is beyond the mainstream media. It's beyond Joe Rogan. It's beyond this channel. It's beyond your support for the work we do at TimCast. This is the infiltration of Marxism. Now, I know. There may be some people saying, that's ridiculous. Let me give you the, the simple layman g- general understanding. Marx viewed the world through oppressed and oppressor. That's the, the general Marxist ideology. It's a lot more complicated than I know. But the oppressors were the wealthy and the oppressed were the proletariat, the working class. Kimberly Crenshaw and other thought leaders in critical race theory took critical theory, which is what it, the Marxist philosophy was, was called, um, among other ideas. I know, I know it's, it's more complicated than that. 
And she said that it doesn't take into account race. So critical race theory was to take the same structure of oppressed versus oppressor, but apply it to people's races. This is Marxism. The, the Frankfurt School, it is called cultural Marxism. But now apparently cultural Marxism has become a conspiracy theory. I don't know what that means. That's literally what it's called, okay? Cultural issues related to the idea of Marxism. Marxist thought uh, originally being economic and then applying it to cultural issues would be cultural Marxism. So whatever. What we have now in the United States is that there is a, a growing sect of religious zealots. It's a cult. There's no, there's no theism behind it, but they adhere to it very strictly as if it was a religion. There are many people who march in lockstep with the tribe. You need to wake up from this. You need to speak up from this, about this. Because what we're seeing now, and, and, and look, Tara uh, Henley, when she quits risking her life, you know, her livelihood, I don't want to make it like she's going to die. I mean like her livelihood, her, her standard of living, she's putting it on the line. Everyone needs to stand up, speak up, and say no to the cult now or forever hold your peace. Maybe it'll happen. But people seem to think voting is their way out. I don't think that voting is a guaranteed way out. I don't. I do think that it is what we need to be doing right now, voting in your local elections and in your primaries, because it is the best path forward. With all these Democrats retiring, I think we may be looking at something substantive, which may come, you know, I've long said, you know, cold civil war, civil war, but, uh, Let's just put it this way. If the Republicans get primaried and we get a wave of populists and then they win the House and the Senate, it might actually avert all of this conflict and crisis. Regular Americans might finally say, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. Enough. And that could be the end of it. For the time being, we have a mainstream media apparatus that is struggling, that is failing. Good. If you want to help us challenge the lies from the mainstream media, go to TimCast.com, become a member. It's, it's greatly appreciated, and I will keep speaking out against what, what they are lying about. Just today, we had some you know, corrections. I go onto the website. I try to make sure that opinions labeled opinion, that uh, news stories are, are, are fact-based, cut and dry. Try to make sure everything be, is being done properly, because I think it's important that we just give you the facts. I don't want to be in charge of you or anyone. I don't care about your politics. I, don't, I think you should just know what's happening. It's the best we can do. I don't want to be the authority figure over your life. So I think you should just have the, have the information and choose for yourself. That's the way the news should be. If you agree, TimCast.com. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on uh, YouTube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.